Thank you all. Thank you all. You can be seated. Thank you so much for that incredible introduction to be put in the same sentence as those amazing ladies. I am honored. Um, but truly, it is my honor to speak today. And it's not, um, I, it, this is not just, you know, the token woman speaking on Mother's Day. This is truly my honor and privilege to speak on such an amazing day to honor such amazing women. And so um, I am excited because I have, um, I feel like a word from the Lord. And I will also say that um, I am so, I, I just want to quickly honor my husband because he does this week in, week out. Y'all, it takes me like two months to prepare a message. And he does this weekly for 20 years. So, honey, I honor you. Um, yes. Only for that 10 seconds. Whoop, because now it's about me. It's Mother's Day. Not you. Um, <laughs> But today is the first installment of The Hoods, and um, it is all the way from motherhood on Mother's Day to fatherhood on Father's Day in June. And so we, I don't know what all the messages are, but, you know, stay tuned and you'll find out what they are and come back for those. Um, but I am um, in the, you know how like on your phone when you're, when you type in something, there's a whole algorithm or you watch one video and then like everything else comes up that's the same of those same kind of comments or videos. Well, I had, you know, doing research, even on texting, just writing notes on your phone, I'll write something, and I was going to send some texts to some friends to say, you know, what do you wish you would have known before you became a mother? And so I typed that on my notes app, not even social media, on my notes app, and then all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm looking at Instagram, and it says, what you wish you would have known before you were a mother? And I was like, what in the world? Oh, my gosh. They're following me, big brother. Anyway, so... After having all these, you know, funny videos come up, I thought, I'm just going to do a whole Mother's Day message about funny memes from Mother's Day. So get, no, just kidding. It's not the whole message. Um, I did do a little bit more substantive research, you know, in the Bible. So that, that was a, a good, good move. Um, I do have wisdom as a mother. But, you know, there are so many moms, in, kinds of moms in the Bible. There are moms who um, gave up their children for adoption. And I'm not going to take you the time. I'm not going to take the time to tell you who these people are. But if you know the stories, you you don't. We, we know the stories, but we don't really think about these moms as moms like we're seeing it right now. Like there were adoptive moms, there were mothers-in-law and grandmothers, of which I am both. Um, there were mothers who were barren. There were mothers who had great loss and suffered, you know, death of a child. There were mothers who um, who were not faithful. There were mothers who were like a little crazy to get their ch children. And so what's interesting is that if you look in Jesus' lineage, which it's probably one of the most boring, you know, passages of Scripture, um, is so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so. Well, if you look at that, if you know the stories of those people who begat so-and-sos, it's almost, it's very encouraging, actually, because I look and go, oh, my gosh, there was a prostitute. Oh, my gosh, this was a crazy woman. Oh, my gosh, this lady suffered loss. This lady... And Jesus came through that line. So God can use whatever tears of triumph and tears of struggle to get you and to, to encourage you as a mom. And that's what I want to do today is just encourage you as a mom. And I want to encourage those of you who might um, have suffered loss or who might be barren. And, but God has put that heart, the motherhood heart in you. And I want to say that you can use that gift not just with your own biolog biological children. I have so many spiritual children that call me Mama Fry, and to me, that's way better than calling me Pastor Fry. 
or Pastor Stacy or whatever. Like I love when people call me Mama Fry because that's the biggest term of endearment that I could have because moms are amazing. Moms call out things in children. Moms use their gifts and talents to bring out gifts and talents in their kids. And so you can, just because you don't have a biological child does not mean that you can't be a spiritual mom to some people. So I just encourage you today and in, in to do that. But, you know, so often... So many times we moms think it's all up to us. We carry the weight of such a great weight, you know, that we carry in trying to mother our children. There's so much to do. There's so much to teach and so much to train. But I want to say this. I was told by a mentor, this sweet little southern lady, Jana Lara, um, when I was in the thick of raising kids. And she said, you know, Stacey, I told the Lord, if, Lord, if I don't, um, take the blame, oh, sorry, Lord, if I don't take the credit for when my kids do something good, can I not take the blame when they do something bad? And that shaped me. I was like, oh, I got to hold on to that because there's nothing more that I would love to do than to take credit for my amazing kids and that they, when they're doing something awesome, but Lord, when they do something wrong, I'm like, oh, I'm, that's not me. Honey, that is, that is you. That's your child. <laughs> Probably true. No, I'm just kidding. But it's true. It's like we, we as moms carry this mom guilt, the mom shame of my kid did something wrong. And it's not, it's not our job to, be, to create perfect children. It's not our job to be perfect parents. It is our job to be intentional and to be consistent. We don't strive for perfection. We strive for intentionality and consistency. And so if you let that free you today, because there's, there's going to be plenty of times where your kids are going to make the wrong choices. You have taught them right from wrong, and they're going to choose wrong, whether they're 2 or 22. Take it from us. We have some 22-year-olds who made some poor decisions. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is that the, the two kids of ours, we have four kids, and the two kids of ours that you see on stage, Pastor Devin and Morgan, one of our worship leaders up here, you know, when they're singing or when they're preaching, man, it is in me. I'm just over there like getting short-circuited because I know all the mistakes that I made. <laughs> I know how my flaws, all my flaws, I know, I remember things I said to them or did to them. But you know what? I did my job and God did his. It wasn't up to me to get them on this stage. It wasn't up to me to get them into their purpose, into their calling. It wasn't my weight to carry. What I had to do was what God told me to do, and that was to be a mom and to be intentional and to, to, um, to parent them and encourage them and call things out and have tough conversations. And I was faithful to do my job, although humanly flawed. I did my job, but it was God's plan to get them where they're at. And so we moms just get so bogged down so often about all the weight that we carry. And, you know, it's like, it's like a, a rubber band. This is my husband's band. So it's like a rubber band. They're, you know, very stretchy. And this, I don't know what weight this is, but I don't really care. And <laughs> anyway, um, so this, it's like when we wake up in the morning as moms, it's like we're having this rubber band, our little, our little hearts and our emotions are like rubber bands. And so we start our day and we got to get all the kids fed and we got to have them fed by 7 a.m. and hair brushed and combed and ready for school and got to get all, make sure the homework and the backpacks in the car and all the stuff. And it keeps stretching, it keeps stretching. And, and we have all these things. And actually, to better illustrate this point, I want to give you a story of a new thing that we're going to do here at Connect. And it's called the Connect Lone Survivor. 
okay? We're going to take six married men. We're going to get two from TC, two from Framingham, two from Ashland. And we're going to send them to a deserted island with one car and three kids each, okay? For six weeks, six weeks, all right? So each kid, are you with me? Who's volunteering over there at TC Framingham? All right, each kid will play two sports and take music or dance classes, and there is no fast food on this island. Each man must take care of his three kids, keep his assigned hut clean, correct all homework, do science projects, cook, do laundry, and play, pay a list of pretend bills with not enough money. Each man must remember all the birthdays of his loved ones and relatives and send cards on time, no texting, no emailing. Each man must also take each child to a doctor's appointment, a dentist appointment, and a haircut appointment. And he must make one unscheduled and very inconvenient trip per child to the urgent care on this island. He must also make cookies or cupcakes for social functions and for Teachers Appreciation Day. Do not forget your teachers. Each man will be responsible for decorating his own assigned hut, planting flowers outside, and keeping it presentable at all times. Hashtag Pinterest worthy. The men will only have access to television once all the chores are done and the kids are in bed. The men must keep themselves looking great at all times, regularly monitor their own weight, find time in their spare time to work out, and shave legs, polish nails, and uncomfortable shoes are added bonuses. Now, during one of the six weeks, the men will have to endure severe abdominal cramps and, and awful backaches. And you'll have unexplained extreme mood swings, but you cannot complain and you still cannot lose any of your duties. You can't slow down. Okay, you must attend church and find time at least once a week to spend the afternoon at the park or a similar setting. You have to read a book to your kids each night in the morning, feed them, dress them, brush their teeth, comb their hair, get them ready for school, and all make sure that the family pet was walked and fed. Okay, who's ready? Who wants to volunteer? Any volunteers yet? A test will be given at the end of six weeks, and each father will be required to know the following information. Each child's birth date, height, weight, their doctor's name, and their shoe size. Their favorite toy, their favorite color, the middle name, their favorite song, drink, snack, and their biggest fear and what they want to be when they grow up. The kids will vote them off the island based on performance. The last man wins only if he still has enough energy to be intimate with his spouse at a moment's notice. And if the last man does win, if, he is, if there is any man still standing, he can continue to play this game for the next 18 to 25 years and will still never earn the right to be called mother. Come on. Who wants to volunteer? <laughs> I think I saw five men just walk out. <laughs> Okay, but, and sometimes men, you might wonder why all of a sudden we step on a Lego at the end of the day and just our rubber band pops and snaps. And it's because, well, there's a, there's a picture. We have a picture of what it looks like when we step on the Lego. Do we have a picture of that? <laughs> yes. We turn into a shark and we will eat anything in the vicinity of that snapped rubber band because we're done. 
We're done. And we're just tired, you know. We, we have our, one of our grandsons who's two and a half now. But when he was two, he started figuring out how to manipulate. And if you think that your kids can't manipulate at two-year-olds, you are being manipulated. <laughs> just saying. Some parents don't think that they can't. 18 months for girls usually and two-year-old for boys. But Ezra started figuring out how to manipulate. And so we were like, he'd come over and, um, you know, we're like, Ezra James, you can't throw that plate of food in the floor. Or Ezra James, you cannot kick your brother in the stomach. Stop that. And he would literally fake, fake rub his eyes, fake whine. And he'd go, but I'm so tired. <laughs> you are not tired. I'm so tired, Tachi. So tired. Fake whining and everything. Y'all, that's how we feel at the end of the day. I'm just so tired, honey. <laughs> hey, honey, I'm just so tired. I can't. But I don't want you to think for a minute that you're tired, moms, because it's just tedious. Because even great things will cause you to be tired. Great things will cause you to be tired. Champions, Olympic champions get tired when they're training. NFL professional football players, big burly men get tired when they've played a game and they have ice baths on their day off. Like, you're doing something great, moms, and it's okay that you're tired, but don't think it's just because it's menial work. You're doing something great, and your big idea for today is there's a great weight to raising great kids. There's a great weight that we carry, and anything of great value that requires great effort carries a great weight. And you might just be so tired from doing it. But it's okay because God designed you, moms, to carry the weight that you're supposed to carry. He didn't design you to carry all of it. He designed you to carry what you're supposed to carry. And raising kids is the mother load of great weight because it's a great thing. And that is what my title is today is the mother load. Everybody say the mother load. Okay, but moms are designed to... That we're wired to create, or we're, we're created to um, carry that weight. If you've ever heard of Dr. Mark Gunger, he does something called um, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, and in it he talks about the different brains of men versus women. So men, men's brains are like boxes, compartments. There's a box for finances, there's a box for family, there's a box for his wife, there's a box for his mother-in-law, you know, there's even a nothing box, you know, They're in the nothing box. They're there's nothing. They're just in that box. Okay. Women's brains are like spaghetti noodles. And everything, every noodle is touching the other noodle. Like there's, oh, we got to think about finances. Oh, my gosh. We got to get buy, buy clothes for the family. And, oh, oh, speaking of clothes, their shoes are up in the attic. And, oh, that's, I got to get their sports shoes because they outgrew those. Oh, my gosh. It's back to the finances. Like it's literally, that's how God created our brains to function. Some of ours function, some of yours function better than ours, mine. But he called us and he designed us. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will get you through. If, if he's given you the grace and called you to it, he will give you the grace to get through it. And he'll help you carry the load of mothering because he's called you to it. And whether it's a 2-year-old or a 22-year-old, a toddler or a teen or anything in between, it's a great weight and it's a great thing that you're doing, moms, to carry the mother load. And moms are very familiar with the term load. We have loads of laundry. We have loads of groceries. 
And even when our kids learn to like fib and lie, you know, we've, we've learned how to spot a load of poo. Both figuratively and literally. You're like, yes, that is a load of poo in the toy box. Excellent, you know. True story. But we're not designed to carry all the loads of mothering by ourselves. And so today, I want to give you three intangible loads that we, if we do these three things, if we, if we focus on these three loads, it will make a world of difference in your family. Are you ready? All right, everybody say number one is identity. Identity. Say that. Identity. All right. Identity is the unique set of characteristics that can be used to identify a person as themselves and no one else. Okay? So this is... Um, this is what makes each child special and unique. And this is mom's just, this is one of your greatest gifts is you know exactly what their favorite toy, what their favorite animal, what their favorite song, what they want to be. You know all that because they're unique. And I, I want to I camp here for just a second because we are in an all-out battle in the world that, or Satan is in an all-out battle to take our kids' identity. And... As a mom, I want to say, not on our watch. Not on our watch. You know, there's sometimes the, the enemy knows more what's happening in the spirit realm because something's a brewing in the spirit realm. He knows it better than we know it as humans. And so he's doing everything he can to thwart the plan of the Lord. And that is because he's trying to still kill and destroy our kids. And if you look at history, if you look in the Bible, the two times that he's done this before, trying to kill a whole generation of kids, is when there were two deliverers being raised up in that generation. You look at Pharaoh. Pharaoh wanted to kill all the kids, but Moses was spared because Moses was God's plan A for the delivery of the children of Israel. If you fast forward into Jesus, when Jesus was being born, King Herod wanted to kill all the babies two and under, baby boys two and under. He was trying to kill a generation because God was raising up a deliverer. So why do you think in this day and age that our identity of our children are being, trying to be uh, thwarted? Is because God is raising up a deliverer in this generation. And I believe, honestly, I believe we are in the last days and that we're going to see this the generation that is being born now and being raised now and teenagers now, they're God's plan A to lead the church, to continue to build the church. And the Bible tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And it also tells us that there's um, the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. And what, what children, what teenagers, what young adults are leading, are going to be leading our church soon? It's going to be our children that we've spoken identity into not the you know if the devil can't kill them through abortion he's going to try to confuse their identity so that they don't know who they are or what they are or what they're called to do and so we have to protect that moms we speak identity into our children and there are so many times when we do get tired and we're just we're exhausted from trying to call out the identity, but do not stop calling out the identity of your kids. Speak to them, speak to their identity, even if you don't see it. It's, and you have to encourage yourself sometimes with, you know, singing the songs of the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. You know, I'm going to see a victory. We just sang that last week. And that was one of my songs when my kids were, you know, crazy teenagers. I was like, I'm going to see a victory in Jesus' name, you know. 
white knuckling it all the way, I'm going to see a victory. And you know what? I do. I see victories all the time because of the things, the seeds that were planted in their identity. And, but we, in order to encourage identity, what does that look like? So it's, it's basically you're calling things out in them. You're planting seeds in them of who they are. Like, for instance, our, kid, our grandkids, um, grandsons say their affirmations every night. I am handsome. I am smart. I'm kind and obedient. I'm a leader. I'm a follower of Jesus and a leader of men. I'm obedient. I'm obedient. I'm obedient. <laughs> You're telling them what you want them to say, and they have to, their parents tell them what they have to say, and they're memorizing it. And each season, there might be a new set of identities of whatever their parents want to see or are going to call out. You speak that over your children. And if you speak to external behavior, let's say, you know, somebody called, some, Zion calls Ezra a name. You don't go, Zion, Joshua, that is a bad boy. You don't call people names. No, that's, that's speaking to the external behavior, which gets temporary results. But if you speak to internal identity, Zion, you are kind and protective. That was not a great choice, and you make good choices. You always need to make good choices, right? Do you make good choices, Zion? Not then, I didn't. You're right. We're going to make good choices. I'm speaking to his identity. You're, I, I do that all the time in the school. Kids are, you know, calling people names, and I'm like, you're a good boy. You make good choices because that's their identity. That's what I want them to know. So we want to speak to the internal identity. Okay, I don't have time for that story. I'm going to move on to this part. Um, but, you know, you don't speak to um, so many times as moms of teens, let's say, we get so frustrated because they've gone to school and they haven't done their homework and they left the garage open, they didn't take the trash out, they didn't feed the animals, blah, blah, blah. And then when they come home, we just want to light into those things. But there was a, there was a, a mom who, who was ready to do that for her 15-year-old son, and she was, like, picking him up at the bus stop, and she saw the bus, and then out of the corner of her eye over here, she sees that there's a, a, a little mom with a baby she's holding, a toddler she's trying to walk, and pushing a stroller, trying to get up over a curb. And the mom's, again, ready to light into her son, and she looks over, and out of the corner of her eye, she sees this gangly teenage boy running to help this mom, and the, he runs over, and he helps lift up the stroller and gets her all situated, and then the boy comes into the car. It was her son, and she wanted to just light into him for all the things that he didn't do, but she said, you're a good human. You have a good heart. You are kind. You are such a blessing to that lady. You know what? There's plenty of time to train the other things, but when you see something like that, you speak to their identity. Come on. speak. Everybody say identity. And Psalm 127.3 says, children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. And sometimes, you know, when our kids, again, were in that teenage phase, I would go in there at night because that's the only time they would listen to me <laughs> in their, when they're sleeping. And I'd go in and I'd go, you are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. You have no choice in the matter. You will be a blessing. And they are. Pastor Chris Hodges said this. He said, people will often become what the most important people in their life think they'll become. So speak to their identity. As moms, as parents, we get to shape and invest in our kids' identity. And don't let your kids' friends speak to their identity. Don't let TikTok speak to their identity. Don't let their smartphones and all the social media apps speak to their identity. You speak to their identity. All right. Number two. Everybody say in Intuition. Okay, intuition is a hunch that is perceived without any good logic or reasoning. It's an unexplainable prompting, and I like to say it's a Holy Spirit prompting. 
This is when my son, he used to make fun of me, not, in, not to my face because he knew better. But after the fact, whenever I would tell him something, I was to just say, you know, I just have a check in my spirit about you, whatever, going to this party or you doing this or whatever. And so then he would always go, what, what do you have a check in your spirit, mom? And I was like, yeah, I do. Sit down, you know. Um, but so many times the Holy Spirit would nudge me to send a text, to make a phone call, to actually go on a walk. One day, oddly enough, Devin was 16 years old and had just gotten his license, and he's not in that, he's in that phase where he wasn't supposed to drive people, you know. And the Lord just prompted me in the middle of my day, go, go on a walk at lunchtime. So I go on a walk. I'm like, oh, the Lord's going to speak to me. And then I'm like, oh, look, that looks like a very familiar blue Honda Accord, and that looks like a car full of <laughs> Devin's driving. And Devin was like this as he's driving by. So I sent him a text, and I was just like, hashtag busted, you know. But the Lord saved me so many times because I'm not that smart or tech savvy or detailed to figure out the things that I figured out. It was the Holy Spirit's prompting. It was the intuition. And I asked the Lord for it. I would ask him sometimes, Lord, I, I might not be smart enough like when I'm awake, but Lord, could you give me a dream if I need to know anything, you know? And sure enough, when Morgan was 14, we, Derek and I were like, we're doing a great job parenting. Devin's finally out of that teen phase. You know, he's 21. He's, you know, walking with the Lord, Mallory, without, you know. And uh, we were like high-fiving each other, kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Little did I know it was another freight train coming seriously. And the Lord gave me a dream one night that there was a man on a bike chasing Morgan. And I knew in the dream that he was ready to harm her and kill her. So I woke up, my heart was racing. And I knew in that moment that the Lord was had, you know, like the Lord gives you something and then there's a whole download. And the Lord was saying, you're not done parenting, get ready. And sure enough, it was a freight train coming, that light. But thank God, later on in her teen years, Morgan said, you know, I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was our third parent. And that was the best thing, best compliment she could say to me. Because I would tell my kids, you know what, you can pull one over on me. But you cannot pull one over on the Lord. And for, if you're a teenager here or a young adult and you think you're pulling one over on your parents, let me just say, you can run, but you cannot hide. <laughs> The Lord knows. And your parents are just doing what their job is. If the Lord's told you to do something, young teens or young adults, you better just stop running and just do it because God's plan A will not be thwarted. Come on. Uh, another quick story of, in the Bible that we see where there's a, a, a Holy Spirit prompting, it's not, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but as a parent or as just looking at the story, it's the story of the prodigal son. And the Bible says that when, you know, it says when the, when the son was far off, the father saw him coming and ran to him. Now, this man, if you read the story, clearly was some kind of farmer or like had land and animals and whatever. Farmers don't sit on the porch and watch for their sons to come home the whole time. I believe, honestly, that the Lord prompted him and said, get up, go watch for your son. I'm doing a work. So that's a Holy Spirit prompting. It doesn't just mean it's just for the moms. Fathers, if you have a Holy Spirit prompting, act on it. If you ask for intuition, you need to be ready to act on it. Because even if you have to have those tough conversations, your kids get mad at you, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're not called to be their friend up until they're 18. And if you've done a good job the first 18 years, you will have best friends for the rest of your life. And that's what our kids are to us. They're our best friends. 
I mean, every, you know, weekend we're hanging out with our kids because they're like, hey, what are y'all doing? (laughs) Nothing. What are y'all doing? Come over, you know. Because we did a good job, you know. And Isaiah 11.2 says this, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. I speak this over you. Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You know, in Proverbs, it says all over the place, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want your kids to have wisdom, pray the fear of the Lord comes over them. It's not like, I'm scared of the Lord. It's a reverence. It's a respect for the Lord. Pray that over your kids and model that for your kids. Model that for your kids. I'm telling you, intuition saved me. Be ready. If you ask for it, be ready to act on it. Come on. All right. The last intangible weight of motherhood that I want to talk about today is influence. Everybody say influence. Influence. Um, I can hear my kids making fun of me how I say influence because it's probably influence. I don't know how, you know, they always make fun of my southern, I say vehicle. (laughs) And they're like, it's not vehicle, it's vehicle. Like, whatever. Okay, so influence, we're going to talk about that. That is the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something, the power to shape person or policy. So your influence as a parent, as a mom, goes much deeper than just your kids. Grandmothers have influence. Great-grandmothers have influence. Grandparents, all kinds, you know, mother-in-law. There's there's stories in the Bible where the mother-in-law, Ruth, you know, she was, no, Naomi, She was the mother-in-law that had influence over her daughters. Your influence goes much deeper than just your own kids. And if you look at um, 2 Timothy 1.5, this is Paul writing to Timothy. And actually, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was, you know, had such an amazing part and so integral integral part of um, bringing the gospel to the nations, is he tells him, he says in uh, verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So Paul was calling that out in Timothy. Is his grandmother's influence, his mother's influence. And so we have influence. This is generational influence. It's like the song we just sang this morning, blessings of a thousand generations, multiple, multiple generations. And we never should underestimate our influence over our children. And they, it, this is like, you know, when a toddler, when you see a toddler saying something that you're like, what, where did you hear that? You know, toddlers, funny thing in our family is like, toddlers will be like, what the heck? It's like, where did you hear that? Probably from us, but you know what? They, they say what you say. Then when they get older, they do what you do. So if you influence, you, you have to, your influence goes far beyond your words. It goes, your influence is your character and your integrity. You need to influence your kids with your prayers. Influence your kids by showing them the word of God, teaching them the word of God. And if you don't know how to do that, send them to Metro West Christian Academy. Because by the time they are out of first grade, our four-year-olds, five-year-olds, and six-year-olds have 75 verses memorized. Some of them, they might not remember from their four, but if you start it, they can finish it. 75 verses. Y'all, I didn't know that until I started teaching at MCA when I was 22 years old. Like, they know it at six years old. Teach them the Word of God. Teach them that church is important. Because it's not just when it's, we don't just go to church when it's seasonally convenient. We don't just go to church when we don't have football or don't have a sport on Sunday morning. 
We don't just go to church when it's not nice out because you know, we just, there's just not too many beach days in New England. You know what? The, there's not too many days left, and I'd rather get caught here in church when my Lord comes back than to be caught on the beach somewhere because it was a nice day, Lord. Sorry, you know. Speak truth to your kids. Influence them with the truth from the Word of God. 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And our influence, our influence um, gets to the root of children. Sometimes you might not see the fruit in, in their lives. And there was, there was a period, um, so I, I really don't have a green thumb at all. It's actually probably more of like a black thumb. I kill things. Um, but one time I was so proud of myself because I had kept this little plant alive for three years. So proud of myself. And I had a friend come over, and she was like, what, what kind of plant is this? And I was like, I have no idea, but I've kept it alive for three years. It's still green. And she goes, was, is there, does there a flower come out of it? And she kind of knew what plants were. I think she was baiting me. And I go, well, I mean, it had a flower when I got it, but it hasn't bloomed since, you know. She was like, it hasn't bloomed for three years? And I was like, no. And she goes, it's not really a live plant. I was so offended. I was like, yeah, it is. It's green. <laughs> I know the difference between alive and dead plants, and it's green. But that's how we feel as moms sometimes. It's like my kids are alive, but I'm not seeing the fruit of anything I've put in them. But I'm telling you, if you use your influence, your influence goes so much deeper than the fruit that you see. It goes to the root. It goes to the root of their heart, and you will see it. And, and here's the thing is you just don't give up. You don't lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole thing, but it says we do not lose heart. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And Lord, I, I, want, I want to do a good job right now. I, this is nothing about me because surely, surely you've seen I, I have flaws. Um, but when I'm seeing my kids up here, when I see them walking in truth, there is no greater joy than, than to see that. Because I think our influence did that in spite of me. God got my kids to where they're supposed to be in spite of me, in spite of all the things that I did wrong. And if you ask them, they'll tell you. They'll tell you all the things that I, that I did wrong. But we cannot stand idly by and just think that we're going to let the world influence our kids. We are the influence. This church is the influence. CY is the influence. 508 is the influence. Connect kids. The people downstairs are influencing your kids for God's glory because this generation is God's plan A. Amen. Galatians 6.9 also says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do, get, do not give up. Everybody say, I won't give up. I won't give up. One of the best compliments my husband ever said to me was in the middle, I don't even remember which kid it was, but I was done. I was so done. I was like, that's it. I don't even want to do this anymore. I resign as mom. I give up. I'm, I, I'm so done. I'm done. I just, I want to, I just want to give up. And he sat there for a minute and just listened. Let me, you know, freak out that shark meme, you know. And then he goes, but you won't give up. You never give up. How many of you know tone was very important? <laughs> you won't give up. You never give up. That's very different. But he said, you won't give up because you never give up. I was like, I know, but I just want to give up. But I won't because I can't. My kids' lives are on the line. My kids' lives are on the line. And let me say this. I'm going to close with this story. When, If you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ, if you watch Mary 
As a mom, I, I watch that story as a mom probably differently from a man. But I watch Mary in this story, and she's kind of walking along, viewing, seeing what's happening to Jesus. And he's walking up Golgotha. He's, you know, beaten beyond recognition, you know, a bruised face. He's got a thorn of crowns. He's carrying this cross, like struggling, barely able to breathe, being hit again, falling to the ground, you know. And in the, in the show, granted, I know it's a movie, and it may not have happened this way. But in, in the scriptures, there's no mention of Mary as she's walking up to Golgotha. It's only at the cross when he calls, he says something to his mother. Now, if I were Mary, I know that's sacrilegious because I am not Mary, but if I were Mary, there would have been some extra verses inserted in the Bible. They would have been like, and the she-bear came up upon Mary and she tried to slit 14 soldiers' throats. Seriously, like how many of you moms would just sit there and just kind of walk along or not say anything? And then it would have, you know, it would have, another verse would have said, and finally Jesus had to rebuke his own mother. Mother, it is my time now, you know. But she just walked along and it, the Bible called her, she was blessed among women. How many of you know that was not a blessing in that moment as she's walking, seeing her son what was happening to him? She, was, she probably did not feel like, oh, I'm so blessed to be his mother. No, but she trusted that God's plan and purpose for her son's life was bigger than what was happening before her eyes. And you have to trust that as moms. You have to trust that as moms, that God's plan for your children is way bigger than what you're seeing before your very eyes. I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want you to know, moms, you don't have to carry the whole mother load. It's not all up to you. You have to be faithful to what God has called you to do. Same with you, dads. Same with you, you know, if you, if you have any influence in people's lives, you just have to do what God's called you to do. And at TC in Framingham, I'm going to have the campus pastors come up. I'm not going to hand it off quite yet, but just in a second I will. But I want to pray for the moms and if you're a mom or a mother-in-law or a grandmother, I want you to just raise your hand right here at TC Framingham. I want you to raise your hand if you're a mom. Okay, for the rest of us, I want you to just reach your hands out. and I'm going to pray a blessing over moms. And then I'm going to ask the campus pastors, and we're going we're gonna to ask if there's any of you in here who feel like you're not just a mom, but you're carrying the mother load. You're carrying the weight of living life. And we're going to pray for you as well. But first, I'm going to pray for the moms, and then I'll hand it over to the campus pastors. Lord, I just thank you so much for the moms in here, the grandmothers, the mothers-in-law, the, the moms who have suffered loss, the moms who are barren but they have it in their heart to be moms. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them in Jesus' name. I pray that you would speak to them, that you would give them intuition, that you would give them wisdom on how to speak to identity to their children, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for uh, the strength and the grace in this day and age to raise the generation that will influence generations to come, that will build the church, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would infuse them with inner strength in Jesus' name, that you would bless the mothers today, that they would feel blessed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Campus pastors, I'm going to hand it off to you. And here at Ashland, I want to just take a minute. And I want, I'd like for you to just close your eyes. 
And if you, I want to give you the opportunity. You may be thinking, I, I need Jesus because I don't even know. I'm carrying a load that I shouldn't carry. And you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I'm going to give you an opportunity today because it is the best decision that you will ever make. The most important decision you will ever make to seal your eternity in heaven. So with your eyes closed and heads bowed, I want, if you, if that is you today and you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I would love for you to just raise your hand and look at me. Thank you. I see you. That is the best decision. Best decision you'll make. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Best decision you'll ever make. I see you. Thank you. I want to, we're going to, um, you know, in this church, we, nobody prays alone. We're going to all pray. But if you'll just repeat after me, and it's not this prayer that's going to save you. It's not the words. It's believing it in your heart. So if everybody would just join me with the rest of our new family members, just repeat, Lord Jesus, I call on you right now to be my Lord and Savior. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I repent. I believe that you died on the cross and that you are risen from the dead. And I call you my Lord and Savior today. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and my eternity is sealed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said amen and amen. Welcome to the family. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you all.